much. Good morning, Hill City. Good morning, family. Good morning, church. Uh, we're in a series entitled Resourced. Hasn't this been a good series so far to you guys? It has to me. It's, it's been powerful. It's been practical. And when Pastor Adam asked me to share about the resource of time a couple weeks ago, I was both excited and humbled. Excited because stewarding time has almost been like a life mission of mine since I was a little boy. I've always respected time. I've always valued time. And I remember even at the age of 11 and 12 years old, consciously making decisions at 11 and 12, knowing they'd affect the next 30, 40 years of my life. So time's always been just a special thing for me. But when Pastor Adam asked me to share, I was also very humbled because I know here at Hill City, we have some brilliant people. Here at Cedar Hill, at Mansfield, online, many of you are very, very good at managing your time. And so I want to establish up front what today's message is not about. Okay, number one, today's message is not about how to manage your time better. Okay, we have business owners in this room, principals, teachers, students working two jobs, double income families with kids and 17 sports and activities. You wouldn't be able to do what you're already doing if you didn't know how to manage time pretty well. Okay, we can all grow in that area. There's always room for growth, but for the most part, you've got that handled. Okay, what today's message is not about, number two, this is not about how to become more efficient. Okay, I had a crazy intense summer job 20 years ago. These guys taught me, brainwashed me, how to literally utilize every waking minute of the day for work. Okay, if you've ever been in the military, maybe you can relate to this, but this was a cultish summer job. We would wake up at 6 a.m., you got to hear the schedule, 6 a.m. by 6.15, 30 push-ups, 30 sit-ups, 30 jumping jacks, cold shower, get ready, out the door by 6.15. By 6.30, we're at our breakfast spot. We'd have breakfast with our roommates. We'd read for 30 minutes, motivational material, eat breakfast, be out the door by 7. On the drive to our turf, because we're sales guys, we would listen to training material. We'd have to knock on our door, our first door by 7.45. Okay, if we hadn't made it to our territory yet, we'd have to stop at some random door just to get the day going. From 7.45 to 12.30, every minute we're knocking on doors. The goal was to give 10 30-minute presentations. We'd take a 15-minute lunch break. From 12.45 to 5, we'd do it again, another 10 presentations. 5 to 5.15, dinner break. 5.15 to 9.30, knock, last 10 presentations. On the drive home, we'd listen to more training material. If you're a manager, and I was, we'd start taking, taking coaching calls at 10 o'clock. We had to synchronize our watches to where every seven minutes, that's the time we had to coach someone. So at 10, 10.07, 10.14, 10.21, you can do the math. Up till 11.37, that's when I was taking calls to coach people for the next day. We get home, maybe eat a bowl of soup, Right? Maybe eat a bowl of soup, take a shower, go to bed by midnight, start again the next day at 6. We did this every day of the week for the entire summer. Guys, it was the most productive season of my life. But it was also one of the most unhealthy seasons of my life. There was little room for Jesus. There was no room for real relationships. There was no room for partnering in God's dream. It was all work. Today's message is not about how to become more efficient. Okay? And lastly, today's message is not about how to accomplish more. It's not about how to do more just for doing sake. 
Guys, we live in a hustle and bustle society. We live in America. Everyone is so busy. Everyone's moving so fast. Our kids have side hustles, right? It's the craziest pace that we've ever lived. And this culture has glorified doing to such a point, right? But the Bible says, the Bible says, um, let me pull it up here. The Bible says, I know it says something. But it says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? So guys, today's message is not about doing more just for doing sake. What today's message is about is about becoming more intentional with the time that we do have. So that you can be more purposeful with your time and actually partner in God's dream wherever you're at. So regardless of what season you're in, where you work, where you live, where you to go to school, this is about using our time in such a way that it glorifies God and helps fulfill His dream. And Pastor Adam's been sharing for the last couple of weeks, God's dream can pretty much be summarized in one scripture. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so today's message, my desire, my goal would be that we would all become more intentional with the time that we have. The time is there. We have it every week. But how do we shift? How do we become more intentional with the time we have to better partner with God's dream and where you are in your life right now? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women represented in this room. God, we thank you for the time that you've given us even today. God, we get to come here. We get to worship you freely. We get to grow in you. We get to sharpen one another. Father, I pray that today you would give us all fresh revelation. You would give us fresh vision. You would give us clear, just God ideas on how we can better steward this resource called time for your glory and for your purposes from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so we're going to dive right in. And Pastor Ron and I came up with three truths about time as, as we found them in Scripture, okay? So three truths about time. We're going to start there. Truth number one is that time is eternal. Time is eternal. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, it says, He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has put eternity in the human heart. You see, the world lives for the moment. You've heard the term YOLO, right? You only live once, right? There's so many people in the world that do not believe that there's life after death. There are no real consequences to their decisions, right? So what that really means for them is that take advantage of today. This is all you got. Eat, drink, and be merry. Let's party. Let's have fun. The world lives for the moment. But we as Christians, we have a different perspective. We have an eternal perspective, Because we know that there is such a thing as eternity. And the way we use our time, the decisions that we make today, have eternal ramifications. About a year ago, my oldest son, Noah, he was eight at the time. Noah comes up to me. And my family, we're busy, right? Not an unhealthy busy, but we're productive. We get things done. And we have a couple different businesses. One of those businesses is something called Buggy Huggy, okay? You'll hear more about it here in just a minute. But my family, it's a family business. We all contribute, we all play a part, and we're out of town, we're in Nashville on a, on a big trade show, and I remember we're tearing everything down, and, and I'm getting pulled away into other questions and meetings, and all of a sudden my son, my eight-year-old son, comes up to me after everything's finally put up, and he pulls me aside, and he says, Dad, he goes, I hate Buggy Huggy. 
and I remember sitting there and, you know, I'm, you know, fiddling and trying to put stuff up and, and I could tell he was kind of being serious, but he's kind of joking and he likes to joke. And so I turned my attention. I said, I said, son, what are you talking about? And his eyes start to well up. He goes, dad, I hate Buggy Huggy. I go, why? He goes, dad, it takes you away from us. I don't get to play with you as much. And in that moment, you know, I thought, is that just an eight-year-old talking? Because eight-year-olds can say some crazy stuff. Or is that my son's heart crying out, saying, is my dad going to be available in two years? Are we going to have the same relationship that we have, right? Are my decisions going to affect his relationship with the Lord one day and how he views his heavenly father, right? How we spend our time, the decisions that we as Christians make every day have eternal ramifications. Truth number two, time, it can be wasted. It can be wasted. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I picture Paul here almost pleading with believers. Guys, come on. Come on. Be careful with how you spend your time. Don't waste it. Don't be foolish. The days are short. The days are evil. Come on. Let's go, bro. I feel this pleading, this urgency in him to take full advantage of every opportunity. Right? My biggest pet peeve, biggest pet peeve is wasted time, especially with believers. And I'm not talking about a little wasted time here and there. We all do it. I'm talking about a lifestyle of wasted time. Guys, I know husbands and fathers that literally play video games 20 to 30 hours a week. And they're not esports superstars. That's not how they make their living. Guys, I know wives and mothers that get lost in social media. And they're literally scrolling three to four hours a day. And they're not influencers of any kind. That's not how they make a living. Right? There's no judgment here, but surely, surely there's a better use of that time. Surely that's not God's plans for their lives. Right? Guys, time is too short to waste. We've all lost someone and had that epiphany of, wow, life is short. The finality, right? Our life is here but a vapor. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. I want to maximize every day that's given to me. Do you wake up with that kind of urgency? Do you wake up with that urgency that says, I got to make today count? Not because there's some pressure, but because I want to take full advantage of it. Because time can be wasted. And truth number three, when we steward time well, when we steward time properly, there are great heavenly rewards. Okay, in Luke chapter 19, verse 17, it says, Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Catch this. How we steward the time and assignments given to us in this life will impact the assignments given to us in eternity. Let me go back. How we steward the, the assignments given to us in this measly 80, 90 years will tee us up for forever. Forever. Regardless of the season. So how many of you guys have been in a season? 
had an assignment from the Lord that you weren't a big fan of, right? That it never made sense throughout the entire time. Or that even by the world standards, it just, it just never really became a success. Guys, I've been in one of those seasons for the last three years. Okay, I mentioned Buggy Huggy. Three years ago, God gave my wife this idea for a product, a tangible product that had never existed before. It's a product for moms and their toddlers. He gave her this idea. He gave our family this idea. And I'm not an inventor. My wife's not an inventor. We'd never done this before. My dad's an inventor. And I'd seen the sacrifice that something like that requires, time and money. Right? So before we just jumped into this idea, we prayed and fasted about it for a month. We went to wise counsel. We talked to our mentors. And after a month, as a family, we made the decision, okay, we're going to pursue this thing. We laid down other income streams. We laid down influence. We laid down other things so that we could give this thing the time and attention that it deserved. And guys, for the next three years, we worked it. We were diligent. We were faithful. We hired all the right people. We checked all the right boxes. It never really took off. And guys, we're now months away from shutting this thing down. Three years, $250,000 gone. And in the world's eyes, that's a massive failure. Here's what you need to catch. We did our best. We did our best in that assignment that God gave us. We remained faithful the entire time. And guys, we're seeing it to the end, even if the end doesn't look like what we ever imagined it was going to be. Guys, how we steward the assignments given to us now will only tee us up for greater assignments later, both in this life and the life to come. And so even when you're in those seasons and you're using time and you don't really see it going where you thought, stay the course. Be faithful. Give it your best, right? I want to maximize my time here because if no eye has seen or ear has heard or mind has conceived of what God has prepared for us in eternity, I'm happy to trade the comforts of this life for all that's to come later. It's a fair trade. It's a fair trade. And over the years, I believe a lot of Christians feel this way about time. They have these underlying, you know, thought processes about time, but they've never even given, they've never been given the tools to really walk it out. Or maybe they've never really seen it modeled. Someone actually walking out and living a life of total purpose and total intentionality. Because Jesus lived a life of total purpose and total intentionality. He was the absolute best at it. And so today, I want to share with you all a tool that will help you become more intentional with your time so that you can have the greatest impact for God's kingdom where you're at. Okay? This is a tool that will help you identify where your time is actually going. Because if you don't know where your time is actually being spent, it'll be almost impossible for you to shift and to begin being purposeful about doing something different. Okay? This is a tool that comes from a book called First Things First by Stephen Covey. And it's a tool that shows that basically every minute that we spend falls into one of four categories or quadrants. Okay? And so basically every minute that you spend, it's either important or non-important or it's urgent and non-urgent. And it's going to make more sense as we go through it. So we're going to start with quadrant number one. 
Quadrant number one, if we can go point by point. Can you pull that back and go point by point, Tracy? So quadrant number one, guys, these are the crises of life. The crises of life. These are the fires that have to be put out. Okay, these are the things that you don't really have control over, but they're going to happen and they have to be dealt with right away. Things like legitimate emergencies. Your wife just went into labor. Okay, your friend just got into an accident. School just called and your son threw up three times. You got to pick him up in the next hour. You got to shift everything. It's a legitimate emergency. Okay, these are things like pressing problems. Maybe you accidentally texted your mom something that was only meant for your wife, right? Been there. It's a pressing problem. Needs to be dealt with immediately. That's a crisis, okay? Rush deadlines. Maybe your boss has a top priority last minute assignment. All the team has to shift. All hands are on deck. Or maybe you're driving home from work and it's 4.57 and your wife calls and says, sweetheart, there's a deal on Facebook Marketplace and if we don't go get it by 5.30, we'll never, ever, ever see this deal again. That's a, That's a rush deadline. That's a real crisis. Cramming for exams. Students, hopefully you don't wait this long, but if you do, it's now urgent, it's important, it's a crisis. So quadrant number one, guys, these are the crises of life. You have to deal with them. Quadrant number two, this is the quadrant of distraction. Okay, these are the things that, that pull on you throughout the day that are unexpected that end up just sucking the time and sucking the life out of you. And some of us, if you live in this place where you feel like you're on a hamster wheel and you're constantly running, but you feel like you're not really going anywhere, you might spend a lot more time than you think in this quadrant. This is that place where you feel like you're going all day, but at the end of the day, you feel like you hadn't really gotten anywhere. This, where, this might be where most of your time is going, okay? So distractions, what are some distractions? Emails and texts. How many of you guys get 40, 50, 70 emails and texts a day? I'm talking the important ones that need response, right? I get quite a few. And if I were to allow myself to just respond as they come in all throughout the day, I would lose my mind and never be able to focus on anything else. If you're someone like that, I would challenge you, check those things twice a day. Check them in the morning, check them in the afternoon, take 30 minutes, knock them all out. Don't let them, you know, rule your day throughout the day. Okay? Constant notifications. I'm so sick and tired of sitting in lunch meetings with people and their phones going off every 17 seconds. Ding, ping, swish, push, right? They've got a different sound for every notification. Not only is it rude when you're meeting with someone, but it breaks the conversation. It breaks your concentration. If you work alone and you've got notifications going off all day, turn them off. You're, you'd be shocked with how much it's stripping away from you. Unexpected phone calls, we all get them. Solicitations, right? Bill payment issues. When that friend or family member keeps calling that has nothing to talk about, right? Uncle Bill, I love you, but I don't care about what you ate for lunch. I don't care how great the burger was, was cooked. I don't care, right? There are a couple of people that call me that I know if I take that call during the day, it's gonna turn into a 45 minute phone call because I don't have the heart to say, shut up, right? I love Uncle Bill, but I take his call at night. 
right, when I'm winding down. I take his call when I'm on the drive going somewhere, right? Many of you guys have unexpected phone calls that are coming in all the time. And if you added up the time, it's probably five to ten hours a week talking about nothing, right? Last one is interruptions and walk-ins. Guys, these are things at the office. This is in the lunchroom. This is in the break room. This is in the teacher's lounge. These are the water cooler conversations. This is when you went into the teacher lounge just to grab your lunch, but it turned into a 20-minute gossip fest about the teacher down the hallway, right? These are the distractions of life that suck away our time, okay? Quadrant number three, if I could live 100% of my time here, I would, but, but I can't, okay? Quadrant number three is the productive zone. These are the things that matter. This is what God's called you to do. This is partnering in God's dreams. This is relationship building. Number one is personal development. Guys, this is, this is stuff that is not urgent, but very important. Okay, personal development. Things like going to the gym. It's not super urgent, but it's very important. Spending time with the Lord. Getting in the Word. Honing your craft. You might be working a job and you're okay at it, but you want to rise up, but you're not really taking the initiative to get better at your skill. Well, this is that place of honing your craft, getting better at your, at your skill, right? This is relationship building. This is, a, this is time with Jesus. This is date night with your spouse. This is going to your kids' sporting events. This is small group ministry, leading, attending, being a part of it, spiritual family, growing in one another, ironing, sharpening iron. This is discipling. This is mentoring people. This is relationship building. Okay, this quadrant, this is planning and strategizing. My wife and I have to plan. We have four businesses, three kids. They all play sports. We're on staff. We do a lot of stuff, right? If we don't compare calendars once a week, we would lose our minds, right? This is also strategizing. I've got a young man that's looking to start a business. He's really excited about it. But for the last three weeks, I've been telling him, bro, you need to strategize more. You need to spend more time researching on the front end and coming up with a plan. Because the more you strategize on the front end, that 20, 30 hours that you spend on the front end, you're going to save two to 300 hours of mistakes and mishaps on the back end because you just never thought it through. People think strategizing is a waste of time. I'd rather strategize for two hours to save 10, right? Strategy is important. And then, guys, this quadrant is also scheduled rest and vacation. Scheduled rest and vacation. We need it. This is honoring the Sabbath. This is spending 30 minutes with your spouse at night, watching a show, reading a book, just being together, having fun. Right? This is going on those family trips. It doesn't have to be a week. It could be a weekend. But scheduling that time to just get away and, and just relax and be with one another. That's quadrant number, number three. Okay? And then finally, guys, the last quadrant. These are things that are not urgent and not important. This is the waste quadrant. This is the waste quadrant. This is that time where you almost feel guilty that you spent it. This is that time where if so much elapses, you're, you know, sometimes feeling a little bit ashamed of it. Okay, here's some examples. Mindless entertainment. This is non-educational YouTube scrolling. <laughs> Have you ever started one video and it led to five and it led to 12? And then you, you look up, it's three in the morning, and you're like, I don't really care about cats, but I just saw six videos about cats. <laughs> right? I've fallen victim to it. It's gross. I'm groggy the whole next day, and I'm like, what was the point of that? right? This is video games as a lifestyle, as a lifestyle. 
This is binge watching TV seasons, not shows. Okay? Mindless entertainment. Our culture has become so addicted to entertainment. It's robbing us of the things of the Lord. Okay, here's another example of waste. Purposeless, purposeless meetings. Purposeless meetings. Have you ever been pulled into a three-hour meeting and it could have been done in 15 minutes? If you're the one leading it, whoo, you better have a purpose for it. If you're the one leading it, add value. Make sure it's a meeting that's worth having. If you're not the one leading it and you're the one getting pulled into them, go to the boss and say, sir, ma'am, I honor you, I respect you, but I think there's a better use of my time if I weren't at this particular meeting every week. I could serve your company by doing this, this, and this and still be present by catching the last. Have those conversations, right? They're going to appreciate the initiative. Arguing for arguing's sake. This is a big waste of time. Arguing for arguing's sake. I got my hair cut a month ago at the sports clip in Cedar Hill, and they've got a show playing, this ESPN show, and it's just these two guys that argue about sports. <laughs> Evidently, there's a market for that. <laughs> Evidently, people like watching two dudes argue for an hour and a half about the differences between the offensive line of this team and that team. Really? I don't care. I like football, but I don't care. Arguing for arguing's sake, especially on social media. I had a buddy of mine back in high school. He posted something about Jesus. This was like 12 years ago, back when I was at Christ for the Nations, and I was taking apologetics classes, and I'm in the heat of it. And this guy posts something about Jesus, and I was like, not my Jesus. And so you know what I did? I started getting into this theological debate with a guy on social media. Eight hours later, eight, I was committed. Eight hours later, you know what he does? He blocks me. We got nowhere. But I'm glad I learned it then because to this day, I've never, ever, ever, ever gotten into some crazy debate through social media. I don't think so, right? And I'm going to speak on social media. The biggest waste of time I see today is people getting lost in social media. They're getting lost in it. And it's not just the kids. It's not just young adults. I'm talking parents, grandparents, right? They're getting lost in social media. Did you know that the founders of those companies designed those platforms to be addicting? They hired behavioral scientists to tap into parts of your brain to make sure you stayed on their screen as long as possible. You know why? Because you're not the customer. You're the product. The customers are the businesses that are buying ads to get in front of you the product. You're being used right? In the illegal drug industry, they call all their addicts users. Silicon Valley, they call their people users. How many users does this platform have? Have you ever thought about that? Because they're creating addicts. So I will not have them make an addict out of me or my family. Those very founders don't even allow their own children to be on those platforms. So why are ours? Right? Biggest time suck I've ever seen. And so if we can pull up that, 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 that platform or that, that slide. Recommended time allotments. Here's what I re would recommend. On a normal week, maybe 5% of your time is putting out fires. It's going to happen, right? You can't avoid them. Maybe 15% of your time you're dealing with the distractions of life. You can't avoid it. Ideally, we spend 75% of the time doing the things that matter. Relationship building, time with our family, doing our job, honing our craft, advancing God's kingdom, right? And then the last 5% of that time is wasted. We all need white noise. We all need the brain breaks. We all need to, you know, calm down and, and detox from time to time. 
But here's the thing, guys. If you've never really seen something like this, you might be spending 30, 40, 50% of your time in these bottom two quadrants. No shame, no shame. But just understand that if all your time is going there, it's not able to go anywhere else because time is limited, right? And so let this be that, that little punch in the gut that says, oh, wow, I've been telling myself for years that I don't have time for X, Y, Z. I promise you the time is there. It's just a matter of being more intentional and shifting it around. I will never allow my kids to say we don't have time for something. It's a matter of making time and shifting priorities, okay? And so we're going to wrap up with six practical ways to be more intentional with your time. Six practical ways to be more intentional with your time. If even one of these inspired you to do something different, I think it's going to be a life changer for you in the months and years to come. Number one is plan your week. Number one is plan your week. Regardless of how much control or how little control you have over your work week, over your work schedule, there's still a lot of hours in the week that you have control over. There's 168 hours in a week. If you slept eight hours a night, that's 56 hours. That still leaves 112 hours a week. If you work 40 or 50 hours, that still leaves another 50 or 60 hours that you have control over how that time is spent. It's a lot of time. And so I'm going to show you a little demonstration about how the secret to getting everything that you want to get done is making sure that you put first things first. It's making sure that you do the things that matter first. Kind of like in a budget where ideally after tithe you pay yourself first. Well, with the schedule, you want to make sure you take care of the things that matter first. Okay? So catch this, guys. This is a great demonstration. I saw it when I was 19 years old, and it forever changed how I planned my week. And I've been planning my week for the last, what's that, 20 years. So imagine this is next week, okay? It's completely empty, zero obligations, okay? The first thing I would do is I would put in all the things from the productive quadrant, all the things that really matter. I would put in my time with the Lord. I would put in my date night. I would put in all my kids' sports activities, I'd have to put in my work obligations. I got to make a living. I put in any ministry obligations, small group meetings, discipleship lunches, stuff like that. Bottom line, everything that I need that matters, all the important stuff that really matters, that sets me alive, that are obligations, that really move my life forward in the right direction, I put those things in first. At the end of the week, I'm going to do these things no matter what. But this week already looks pretty full, doesn't it? Well, it's not full, okay, because the fires of life, they're going to come. The uh, crises are going to happen. My kid's going to get sick at school. Stuff's going to happen. So I always create margin in my schedule. And then the charcoal, the fires of life, they're going to happen. They're going to come up. But because I've put a little margin in my schedule, then there's still plenty of room for those things that kind of fall into the cracks. Does that make sense? That week looks pretty full, doesn't it? Well, it's not quite full yet because you know what? Uncle Bill, he's going to call. He's going to call me seven times on Monday, right? And all those other little distractions, they're going to happen. And so the little rocks, the little nags of life, they're going to happen. These are like five-minute tasks, ten-minute tasks, six-minute tasks. And you know what? If you're real strategic about it, they're going to also fall through the cracks as well. Okay? 
In fact, there's times where I might be waiting in line at a Starbucks and I'll knock out two or three emails. Or I might be waiting in line at some office just to speak to somebody and I can take care of those, you know, three, four, five minute tasks, all those little distractions, those little bills. That time is there. It's just about being intentional with it. Does this week look pretty full? It's not quite full yet, right? Because I get tired. And I do want to veg sometimes and just kind of zone out on YouTube and just kind of let this time just go in. And bottom line, guys, I could fill this with sand. I could fill this with water. There's still a lot more room in this week. Does that make sense? And so when we're intentional about how we fill our schedules, it's not about getting more done. It's about making sure that the stuff that matters, the stuff that matters is getting addressed. Because here's the opposite. Here's what most people do. They start with a blank week, and they have no purpose. They have no plan. So they just kind of let time be wasted. And they just let whatever happen. And then all the distractions of life, the little rocks start piling up. At that point, there is no more room for the big stuff. There's no more room for it. Because you've just allowed it all to be kind of taken by other things that don't really matter. This is about being intentional with your time so that you can do the very thing that God's put on your heart to do. Are you an encourager? Man, I hope you're making time every week to encourage people. Are you a leader? Are you a servant? What is your spiritual gifts? Because you have opportunities to use them all the time. They're available all the time. Tip number two. This is huge, guys. Take advantage of waiting times. Take advantage of waiting times. Did you know that you wait on average five to seven hours a week? You wait for things on average five to seven hours a week. In a drive-through line, at a doctor's office, in your kid's doctor's office, waiting for an appointment, you're on hold with people. When you start adding up all the time you spend waiting, it's five to seven hours a week. That's 250 to 300 hours a year. What if you use that time to hone your craft? To listen to some educational podcasts, right? To get better at your skills, right? What if you use that time for kingdom business? I make it a point, if I'm at a doctor's office and I'm just sitting there, I don't get lost in the People magazine. I get lost in the people in the room. I start striking up conversations. What are you here for? Oh man, can I pray for you? You know, 95% of people will not turn away prayer. I'll just do it right there. While I'm waiting, doing nothing. Right? If I'm in line at Starbucks and it's a 30-minute line because I have to get that chai tea latte, right? I'll call two or three guys. Hey, check in. How you doing, guys? How's your week going? Can I pray for you? What's going on? It's either that or Candy Crush. Right? I'll take discipleship over Candy Crush. That time is there. Take advantage of the waiting times. Number three, conduct a personal time audit. If anyone does this, it's going to change your life. I've been doing this every year since I was 19 years old. I take out a piece of paper once a year. It's got every 30 minutes of every day, Sunday through Saturday, from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. midnight. Okay? I set an alarm in my phone every 30 minutes for that entire seven days. And when that alarm goes off, I take 10 seconds and write down how that time was spent the last 30 minutes. Was it putting out a crisis? Was I distracted? Was it productive? Or was it wasted? Even when you're at work, we all know that you can waste time while you're at work. 
So even if you have like a 40-hour work week, you know, maybe you're only really being productive 25, 30 hours, who knows, right? But I do that, and the first time I did it, at the end of the week, I had wasted 27 hours. And I'd been distracted at about another 20 to 30. Over the years, I've gotten better and better and better at that, but I promise you, you do this, you will be shocked with how much time is just being sucked away by stuff you'd never thought. Those minutes add up, guys. They add up. And the purpose of it, again, it's not so that you can go do more. It's so that you can be more purposeful with your time. It's so that you can be more intentional with how it's being spent going forward. Pastor Adam last week talked about working your plan, having a budget. If you don't know where your money's going, you can't really make any shifts to change. Well, the same is true with time. If you don't know where your time is going, it's really hard to shift and make any changes going forward. Okay, number four, delegate and empower others. Delegate and empower others. Delegating to others can be hard, especially if you're someone that's really good at what they do or like things done a particular way. But if you're a leader in this room, you have got to learn how to delegate. And leaders include parents. If you're a parent in this room, you're a leader, right? Everyone in this room is a leader in some way, shape, or form because I promise you have influence over someone, right? So whether you're a big-time business operator with 150 employees, right, or you're that sweet mom that's home all day managing and leading three crazy kids, right? Delegating is important. And one thing that I've learned over the years, little nugget, is I want to spend the majority of my time doing the things that I'm great at, and I want to delegate the things out that I'm good at. Not even bad at. I will delegate the things out that I'm good at. And if someone else can do a task 80% as well as I can, and the task is still getting done, I'll delegate that all day. Because I want to be freed up to do the things that only I was created to do, that only I'm like the best at. That's what I want to do. And we can do that with our times, regardless of our jobs, regardless of what we do. Okay, number five, stay flexible. Stay flexible. Jesus was a man on a mission, but he always stopped for the one. Many of you are also productive machines. You're just goal-setting monsters, and you can get a ton of things done. I've been there. I get it. But man, don't worship productivity. Don't fall in love with it. Because there are opportunities that pop up all the time that if we're so just zoned in on what we're doing and making sure that our schedule gets taken care of, we're going to miss out on so many opportunities. Stay flexible. You always have to stay flexible. Okay, and then number six, the last one, is trust God for the impossible. There have been seasons in my life where I feel like I've lost time. As a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs have that, that, that uh, oh, what's that word? It's that urgency of, you know, getting ahead and, and, and man, we got to do it now. And, and, you know, if we're not putting in the 100 hours a week, you know, we're getting behind, Right. I've had all those seasons where I felt like I've lost time. But the God honest truth is that we can trust God for the impossible. He can redeem time. He can create time. He can supernaturally move things around. I used to think that I was a brilliant planner. And I'm pretty good. But God's the divine orchestrator. Have you ever had that week where like, it just didn't make sense how it all got done, but it got done. Yeah. It was probably the Lord. Yeah. It probably wasn't you. Yeah. 
it was probably the Lord. And he shows up like that all the time. Because when we make ourselves and our hearts available for his kingdom business, he'll shift things around. I believe that verse, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. I think that has to do with time as well, personally. And so please don't get, you know, feel bad. Don't feel bad about any decisions that you might have made up to this point with time because God can redeem it. He can change it. But it requires us to be intentional moving forward. And so if you guys will stand with me all around the room. Hey, everybody. Wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it. Consider it. Pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know. We want to know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.